welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 176, for Saturday the 26th of October 2019. Coming up this week, Walker Bay Book 3 is well underway. After my initial plotting problems, I'm now 20,000 words into my final story of 2019. Morecambe Bay 2, Circle of Lies, is on its way to the editor this weekend after a week of evening edits. And I've been doing some fancy marketing stuff with my Facebook ads. I'll give you the lowdown in today's episode. I'm actually really tired right now. Five minutes ago, I finished writing my 5,000 words of Truth Be Told. Is that what it's called? I can't get the title of this book in my head. Truth Be Told. I keep calling it Truth Will Out. It's terrible. Even I even worked out the other day that in one of the preview pages on one of the books I've released, I've got the title as Truth Without. Paul, it's Truth Be Told. I need to get that into my head. So if I get it wrong during today's episode, just shout at me and hopefully we'll get it fixed in my head eventually. <laughs> you wouldn't know that I can write books, would you? So anyhow, I'm really tired at the moment because I've written, I'm only on what, chapter 10, chapter 11, whatever it is I've just finished writing today. And I've, I've written a really intense scene. And while I was writing it, I was thinking, hang on, am, am I at the end of the book here? Have I got any plot left here? Because it was so such an exciting scene. It was the sort of scene that I would write in the culmination of a book. And I'm only, I'm not even a third of the way through the book yet. But the scene was so uh, exciting. It felt like that rush to the end. In actual fact, I've got, I've, I'm so pleased with my end for this book. I can't tell you. Now, if you remember when I spoke to you last week, I was having real trouble with it. I just couldn't get the plot. I just couldn't, I couldn't see it. I just couldn't wrestle it into shape. Well, after I'd recorded the podcast diary last week, I sat down and I just, I, I kind of forced it out of myself and I made myself, I just kept making myself right, uh, chapter plot after chapter plot after chapter plot. And, and I said to you, I was going to be ready to write anyway last week, but I just, I just came together after I'd recorded last week's diary. I just got it. Um, you know, I managed to wrestle it into shape. And actually, as I've started writing, I wrote on Saturday and Sunday last week, and I've written Thursday, Friday this week. And I've, I've really got it now. I've kind of got ahead of steam. And I also had this inspiration for this just like fantastic scene at the end. The, the thing about a trilogy is that the, the character, needs to develop in a different way through the trilogy. So in the first book, my my protagonist is, I guess, a victim. Um, she she's kind of receives all the bad stuff in her life. And then in the second book, she kind of recovers from that and she becomes more proactive. But in the last book, she becomes a fighter and the final fight and victory will be hers. So you've got to create this character arc, but also you can't sort of spend all your gunpowder in the first book in the in terms of crescendos in terms of the books having a climax you can't have the worst well not the worst climax but you know a, you, you've got to have a good climax at the end of book three and it's got to out climax book two and book one and and so I was struggling with that and I've just come up with I've just got a brilliant thing I, mean, I can't I can't wait to write it I, I'm so excited about this end scene in that I could visualize it it's so cinematic uh, but I got a really big scene really sort of tense uh, exciting. It's really over the top. I mean, this ain't literary fiction, uh, but it's really over the top as a scene. But I guess that the reason that the action, uh, is so intense is that I've, I've actually stuck, you know, I said, I said to you, my struggle last week was that this book picks up literally as book two ends, um, after a crisis scene, the culmination of, of the events in, in book two, and it picks up. And really, I wanted it to be a bit like Dead of Night. I wanted it to, to take place overnight. Uh, and that's pretty well what's going to happen. And I found my way through that. I found how I'm actually going to manage that situation. And I, I, I just I used a, a device um, where I, I had to pick it up with one. Uh, basically, I've got two two narrators. And it's the only way to do it. And I, I split the book into two parts. 
Um, and, and so it will pivot from one narrator to another, like they hand over a baton. There'd be a very good reason for that, but that, that allows me to manage my practical situation, uh, that I had. And it works uh, very well. So let me tell you what I've written this week. I'm really, really pleased though. The story's going well. I really feel like I got this one now. So, uh, on Thursday, sorry, beg your pardon, on Saturday, after I'd recorded last week's diary, I wrote 5,279 words. On Sunday, last Sunday, I wrote 5,194 words. It was 5,163 words on Thursday, 24th of, is it October? Yeah, October. And today, Friday, the day I'm recording this, Friday, 25th of October, Incidentally, two months till Christmas, uh, I wrote 5,079 words. So since I last recorded, I've written 20,715 words. And, and I'm feeling quite chuffed with that, you know, bearing in mind that a week ago, I was stuck and scratching my head and, and felt a lot of resistance. It really just feels like we're on our way with this now. So that's great. Very happy with that. Now, what I have decided to do is I was talking to you last week about NaNoWriMo, and this is completely gratuitous. It's just, I'm doing it because I can. Uh, it's completely gratuitous. But I, I was looking at the, the timings and the way that, the way, the way I scheduled this writing, I wasn't going to be able to write my 50,000 words completely contained within November. I think I was going to write something like 5,000 words at the end of October, and then the remainder of the the 45,000 words were going to be written in November. I was looking at the schedule thinking, I quite like to do NaNoWriMo. It's fallen so perfectly this year. And because I'm a finisher completer, I feel like I'm cheated if I start writing in October. So I've shuffled the diary. And in between the 1st of November and when will I have it finished? It'll be finished on the 22nd of November. I'm going to write the 50,000 words of NaNoWriMo. So this, the, the remainder of this book is going to be completely contained within November. Originally, I'd scheduled to do some writing on Sunday the 27th, but again, completely gratuitously, I'm not going to write on Sunday, only to allow me and, and put me back a day effectively so that I can write 50,000 words for NaNo and record that in the NaNoWriMo website as I write through November. So that book will get finished off. The last 50,000 words will get written. It'll be more than 50,000 words, actually be about 51, 52,000 words by the time I finish. Uh, but it'll give me my second uh, NaNoWriMo badge. The first one I did, I was looking at the, the website after I recorded last week. I think it was the, the Grid 1, looks like it was the book that I did last time. And uh, that book, um, it, I've got the word count in there. It says it's over, well over 50,000. I can't have written that much in November, but I certainly got the badge and it was 2014, I think, the last time I did NaNoWriMo, 2014, 2015. So uh, quite nice to be doing it again. And as I say, it is just completely, completely uh, gratuitous and unnecessary. But I'm going to do it anyway, just because it's fallen right and it doesn't fall right that often. I just happen to be able to write 50,000 words in November. I'm writing it anyway. Uh, so I might as well do it that way. So consequently, I mean, that's quite nice. I feel, I do feel quite, that was quite intense today, that writing. It was very exciting. I do feel kind of washed out um, because when I'm writing, I'm typing away there, you know, getting really tight. And I needed to, I needed to create this scene. I've had this, <laughs> this, again, I've had this, I've had this scene in my mind. It was a scene, you know, when you walk in around and you think that's a great, that's a great scene in a book. When you walk in around and you see something and I, I won't tell you what this scene is, but let's put it this way. You know, these lovely wrought iron gates that you see, uh, usually outside old churches, uh, you know, very old sort of buildings. They're very or ornate and they have all these swirly patterns on. And often those patterns have big points on them, but, you know, big sort of pointed iron arrows on them. Let's put it this way. It's a fight scene that's based around one of those. And I've been dying to write this scene for ages. I jotted it down in my list of things to remember for books ages ago. And today this scene was all based around getting these two people exactly where they needed to be for me to do my, my pièce de résistance with that. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's what happened today. It was very exciting and it, and it worked. Uh, it worked very well. <laughs> uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed writing it. But as I, I am a bit tired now, a bit punch drunk now because that felt quite intense. I was writing it very fast. You know, I sort of get very much caught up in the scene when I'm writing it. So yeah, very, very happy with that. Uh, Truth Will Out is going well. I feel just completely confident with that. What I am going to do, because I've, I've effectively bought myself a couple of days, um, I'll tell you about the editing in a moment, but tomorrow, Saturday, I'll do my park run and then I'll come back and do some editing. And then on Sunday, which is now a free day, I'm actually, now I know exactly where that book's going. I'm going to go through 
the plan that I've made for each chapter of Truth Will Out, and I'm going to revise it and focus it, bearing in mind how the story's gone and how I've wrestled my problems. I'm just going to revisit it so that I can very confidently, through NaNoWriMo week, I've got all the plan there, I know all the detail, and every day when I write, I can just, I'll have the notes there, they'll be ready to go, and off I'll go and get those 50,000 words done. So, um, you know, I, I said it was a gratuitous um, changing of my schedule, but actually when I looked at it, I thought, yeah, I'm, this is fine. If I have a day on Sunday, let's just put this plan completely to bed because I did, I really struggled it out last, last Friday, I think it was when I, when I finally got the plot. So I'll come to it now. I've written 20,000 words. This, this story's well in its stride now. I know where it's going and I'll just, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's of my plans and that will set me up securely for November so that I'll have that book all written uh, and ready to start editing by Friday the 22nd of November and I've got to have it done by then because I've organised a weekend of fun for myself that weekend so it needs to be done by then. Oh incidentally I'm really looking forward to this. I said to my wife the other day, she's got a little bit of leave that she needs to use. And because uh, uh, when I finished writing the book, I got loads of, um, I say loads of free days, but I got loads of days uh, when I won't be writing in between then and Christmas. And I said to my wife, look, I, I for this final scene in this book, I said, I, I need to go down to Hesham to have a look at the port there. I need to have a look around the the, the port area and the you know where the where the boats come in and things. And I said I also need to um, have a look at the Midland Hotel. This is a an Art Deco hotel uh, on Morecambe Front. And of course I've seen it from the outside, but I need to go and have afternoon tea in there. So I said to my wife, uh, "How would you fancy using that Thursday?" And um, we'll nip down in the car to to to, to Morecambe. Uh, we'll have a snoop at the <laughs> at the docks there, Hesham, at the port. And then we'll go for a bit of afternoon tea. It'll be a flying visit. And then we'll be back up to Carlisle. But as it's, you know, it's book research. I just need to get a feel for the place because my big scene is going to take part in that port. And also I have a couple of casual scenes uh, set in the Midland Hotel. All I've done is I've used it as a place where people meet and where events are held. I, ha- I have a, a policy when I write books not to have terrible stuff happening in real life venues. So, so if somebody's murdered or, <laughs> or somebody decapitated as happens in one of these books in quite a gruesome way. Um, I have those things always happen in in, uh, in fictional locations, even though they're based in my head on real life locations. I give them fictional names, but um, where I use real life locations, I uh, only good stuff happens there. You know, I don't want to tarnish the middle of the hotel with some gruesome murder uh, or, or you know event. So uh, people just kind of meet there, and, and nothing nothing bad happens there. I don't want anybody uh, taking legal actions against me because I frightened all the customers away. So anyhow, that's uh, that's coming up. When is that? Towards the end of November, we'll have we'll jump in the car. We'll have a flying visit to the port of Hesham, uh, after bit of afternoon tea or a bit of lunch at the Midland, and then we'll nip back up to Carlisle. All all all. I mean. You might say it's a fun day trip, but I say it's author research. And very, very essential it is too. So as well as writing Truth Be Told, I nearly said it, it's Truth Be Told's the right title because I should have it on a screen in front of me so I remember. As well as writing Truth Be Told, I'm also editing Circle of Lies because Julie Cordner is expecting this book on Sunday the 27th by close of play on the 27th. So I have been basically working through the chapters in the evenings. Last night, I got to chapter 36. Um, after I've had my tea today, and before I sit down and watch some telly this evening, I shall be working through chapters 37 through to the author notes. And then that book will be, well, it, so it won't be ready to hand over to Julie. Tomorrow, Saturday, I'll be doing some Grammarly checks. I'll be trying to anticipate where all the um, commas need to go and looking for spelling mistakes and hyphen errors and all these sort of things I can do to tidy it up before Judy gets it or to try and tidy it up before Judy gets it. I'll do a final document check and then I will also, I just need to do one or two continuity checks from Circle of Lies to Left for Dead. Left for Dead is Walker Bay 1. I'm currently just giving it, it, it's been edited. I'm just currently giving it my final sort of casual read because I've got the time for it. I'm just reading it over breakfast in the mornings, trying to work through it. So I just need to do a final fact alignment check between those two books before I commit Left for Dead 
um, for publication because of course is always the problem with a trilogy is is you often release book one before you finish book three so you got to make sure the whole thing makes sense and that you're consistent throughout so I just do that those final commit checks those final fact checks between Left for Dead and Circle of Lies and then by close of play on Sunday that will be on its way to Judy Cordner for an edit so again it's been a bit intense with the editing now Here's the bizarre situation. From next week, from next Monday, I actually start to edit or first draft edit Walker Bay 3. So next week, I'm going to be editing chapters 1 through till... Well, actually, it's not chapters 1. It's prologue through till chapter 11. Which is So I'm going to actually be editing what I've written up to today after I've just written it. And I'll be editing that as I'm writing the next chapters because so tight is my turnaround on this I have to first draft edit it as I'm writing it and literally uh, at the end of uh, at the end of November on the 22nd I will be last draft editing uh, sorry first draft editing the chapter that I write on the 22nd and then it will be going off to um, to Julie the week after so um, I'm kind of you know so many steps forward and then running to catch up with myself all the time but that's that's how it has to be with this but I can't tell you you know it's very very nice to have that impetus to have that sense of momentum with a brand new book very happy about that particularly after uh, struggling so much to squeeze the plot out I really feel like I've got it there, there are extra demands with a trilogy you know you've again the thing with the trilogy is I say you've got to have the character development over three books um, you know, you can't just rinse and repeat. You've got to, the character has to grow over the course of three books. So this is what I did with Don't Tell Meg as well. Of course, this is my fourth trilogy now. So I'm, I'm quite familiar now with how you need to create growth over the course of three books. But I'm also, you know, you've, you've got to have that crescendo in book three. Book, book three ultimately has to be the, you know, the biggest bang. Um, but, but that doesn't mean that books one and book two are disappointing. So you've also got those, You've also got the action, you know, has to, has to ramp up over those three books as well. And the surprises have to keep, uh, have to keep coming as well. And so you're not recycling the same old stuff. So yeah, I really feel like I've got this one. I'm feeling very pleased with myself as hopefully, uh, you can tell in my voice. So let's take a look at rapid release. Um, again, it's funny. I've been kind of, you know, doing a bit of soul searching with the rapid release this week. And I guess, um, it's the end of a month. So. When, when is when is November the first Friday next Friday, next Friday I shall be dropping Adam Nichols a note and saying, so how much did we earn? Oh, now you see her in month two, and that will give me an indication to a certain extent of kind of how well his rapid release has gone, because if he suddenly says, oh yeah, yeah we made uh, you know we made fifty quid on oh, now you see her, well now you see her is, is was obviously part of Adam's rapid release and, and and you know out of respect to adam and obviously his confidentiality i'm not going to be able to give you precise figures about this um you know because it, that wouldn't be fair on adam I, i'll give you a you know a rough indication which would be thumbs up you know thumbs down am i happy with it or not um, so i'll give you a steer with it but it, you know it would be unfair to adam to give you precise figures in this podcast because that's his confidential information but i will be asking adam next uh friday you know how how much have we made from now you see her over this month and I will compare that with the figures of the previous month and I'm hoping that will give me me personally some indication as to how his rapid release is going because if he suddenly says oh yeah you made 50,000 pounds on now you see her I say blimey he's had a good rapid release but you, you, do you know what I mean so because I'm riding on his coattails it should give me an indication of how his one is going but I can tell you mine you know um, one of the things I am definitely doing I've discussed this with my wife uh, we've got a significant um, anniversary coming up in 2020 and so I said to my wife I let, let's you know let's do it for the hell of it I've done a lot of work with this rapid release so let's make sure that by the end of the tax year our anniversary comes up with a tax year that wasn't planning on my part incidentally it's just how it felt it's just after the end of a tax year I said to my wife look I've done a lot of work with this let's at least make sure that I take enough cash out of the business at the end of this tax year for us to go on a nice holiday and we'll say you know whatever happens with rapid release books paid for this holiday the books have paid for a nice holiday for us so we are planning to go somewhere nice well it'll probably be april or may 
and we're going through the bizarre experience. I said to my wife the other day, you know, it makes more sense, bearing in mind the crazy things that are happening in the UK at the moment. It makes more sense for us to go to a non-EU country because we can then make plans that aren't on shifting sands. You know, we know what the passport situation is going to be if we plan to go to a non-EU country for this break. So at the moment, we we had the fun exercise at breakfast the other day saying, oh, how do you find a list of non-EU countries? And we had a look, we had a look online. Um, and we were looking at places like, um, you know, Iceland. It was like a test of, of which countries are in the EU and which countries are not in the EU. So we were looking at, it's quite an interesting um, experience actually, trying to work out where you could go that isn't in the EU. So that, that's the exercise we're playing. But at the very least, uh, with this rapid release, I'm going to take out enough money to go on a nice little anniversary holiday, which will probably be in May 2020, but it will be taken out within the tax year. And I've already started to, to 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 ring fence that money with a view to taking it out. And obviously, um, you know, I have to pay tax on that because I take it as income and all of this stuff. So I'm doing all those calculations now. And uh, th- this this is at the very least, it's going to pay for a nice holiday for us. And that holiday will be built out of books. Um, and this is something I said when I was interviewed for Mark Dawson's, I can't remember what it's called now, the, the, the one where he... <laughs> where he interviews the authors who aren't doing as well as he does on the, on the main podcast, those ones. Uh, I had an interview on that and I said, one of my aims now is rather than just bootstrapping everything is for me to start taking income out of this now and to start doing tangible things with money that I earn from books and saying that holiday was paid for from book sales. This holiday was paid for from book sales and also to bootstrap my business. But I, all I've done to date really is bootstrap. It's just paid for edits, paid for covers. Now I want to start taking some cash out of it. And um, I'm determined to do that. Um, however, the rapid release goes, I will be able to do that by the end of this tax year. So in terms of rapid release, what can I say to you? Well, it's not doing anything spectacular. The money is still coming in. I'm still looking at the money at the end of every day saying, well, you know, that's all right. That's way better than normal. But it's not it's it's not doing what I hoped it would do with rapid release. It's not exciting me. Uh, it is going to pay for a nice holiday. Um, but it's not it's not flying. You know, uh, when when I spoke to Adam, he described the way that it just suddenly felt that the thing got some impetus and it winged under its wings and it started to fly of its own accord. And I can tell you that that's not what it feels like at the moment. It feels like the sales are up. Um, obviously, the prices are down. Um, you know, books are doing OK. I, um, I released what was it called? Uh, two years after got released this week. It was in charts. It got uh, a nice place on the psychological is it psychological? It was literary psychological thrillers, which always makes me laugh that I'm anywhere near a literary chart. When you look at the nonsense I've been writing today, uh, it just makes me titter that I'm on a literary literary psychological fiction chart. Uh, but I was also uh, in the top 50 on the Vigilante Justice chart, which is the charts that Adam tends to aim for, um, you know, to get high chart positions. So um, I, I might have been a little bit um, fussy about, I, I maybe should have put myself on some simpler charts that might have helped myself. And I'll, I'll talk to you more about that when I do my end of rapid release review. When, when's that coming out? Um, when's it scheduled for? On the 16th of November, I'll do a review and tell you the things that I think I may have done wrong, the things I did right, what's worked, what hasn't with this rapid release program. But really, I'm just going to, I'm just going to carry on. I'm going to carry on carrying on. I'm going to keep paying for Facebook adverts. I'm going to keep releasing the books. I'm going to do exactly what I said with the plan until we get to Monday the 11th of November when I release the first in the Walker Bay trilogy and then we start to separate the books. We start to release the books 28 days apart. And this rapid release is going to continue, as I said it would, until at least we get to the new year when I release the box set for the Walker Bay trilogy because those books are all, they're all going to happen. They're all going to happen now. They're all, you know, the sausage factory is working efficiently. They're all going to pop out at the end. But in terms of income, um, you know, nothing, nothing to report, nothing different to report. Income slightly up. Um, we're going to get a nice holiday out of it. I can guarantee that now, but that's all I can tell you. Um, you know, it's not exciting me. Um, I'm going to earn this month more than I do in my salaried job. That's great. Um, you know, but it's not exciting me. It's great that that comes from books. It's great that that's come from 99 pence and cent sales. That's what it's come from. I've made a lot of 99 pence and cent sales, a lot of those this month. But, um, you know, not, not enough. <laughs> it's just not enough. It never is enough, is it? But um, I'll continue to report back to you. This week, of course, I've had double the promos going out because I've had uh, BK Knights, Bargain Booksy. I've had um, e- e-reader news today. 
and Book Doggy. I've had promos on Two Years After, which is the brand new book I released this week. And then also retrospectively, I booked all those uh, promos, those email promos for my box set, my action adventure box set. So I had again an e-reader news today. I had a bargain book, a BK Nights and a Book Doggy. So I've had eight promos going out this week. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it feels to me looking at the stats. I mean, you, you know, I'm terrible with stats. I, I do think to myself, maybe I ought to be a bit more over these stats, but to be honest with you, I'm too busy doing the work to be pouring over the stats. I just, I look at the big picture, obviously, but I don't, I don't dive in there very much and, you know, get in among the weeds, I'm afraid, but I, I didn't really notice any difference from any of those promos for the box set. I did for two years after, which has done well this week, but, um, it may, it may just be that AI haven't burrowed into the stats enough. I, I don't really ever go belong beyond the, the kind of the top line of, of, um, what's it called? Book report, the one that you get from Amazon. I don't even use book funnel anymore. And in my best sellers, the row of best sellers are forgotten children. Don't tell Meg murder place so many lies and no more secrets. So, I know two years after has done well in the charts this week, but it hasn't yet pulled ahead of so many lies and no more secrets. So, um, you know, we'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and see. I'll keep reporting back to you. Next week, I'm releasing Friends Who Lie. Friends Who Lie is a re-release. So it was called Who to Trust. It's the one that I set in Benidorm. It's funny. Um, I, I was reading through the edit. I was processing it for Vellum. You always have to have your final version of the book submitted on the Thursday before its release. So I'm releasing my books on Monday. Amazon wants me to have the final version submitted on Thursday. And I was just uh, running through the vellum file. And uh, I I'd no- I'd noticed uh, a-, a comment that Helen Fazal had put in, in-, in her edit saying, uh, this bit, uh, something like this bit made me burst out laughing, something like that. And um, I was flicking through it. And it's quite, it's what you call a lively ensemble book there. And it's set in Benidorm, for goodness sake. You know, it's set in a resort. So it has the sort of sense of fun that, 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 you know, Benidorm has basically. I brought that kind of sense of fun to it. Um, and, and I was reading through it and I was laughing at some of the things that happened in it myself thinking, you know, this is supposed to be a psychological thriller. It is a thriller and hopefully it is tense, but, um, I was, I was chuckling at a few. Cause I haven't, I, you know, I, I haven't sort of read it pr- properly all the way through for a long time. And it was pulling me in when I was reading it the other day, thinking actually there's quite a few laughs in this book. It's got a lot of energy, I think, that book. But I, I do sometimes wonder what, <laughs> what people think of them. Because uh, you know, I mean, a few people have told me now that they, they've laughed in the thrillers. And uh, one, one, one reviewer even said it apologetically, um, you know, saying I burst out laughing. Uh, you know, please don't take offence from that because it's a really good book. Um, so, I mean, that actually makes me happy when people say they laugh because they're not written to be comedies. I just hope, I hope that they're serious books, you know, that engage you and get your adrenaline flowing, but which also have those light reliefs that make you laugh out loud. So I, I always like it when I get an editorial comment. I think Julie had written something too about something that had made her laugh as well. So I, I do like it. It does make me laugh and, and make me smile when people say something made them laugh, but I, I hope it doesn't put off um, serious psychological fiction writers because you know I'll never stay in that uh was it literary psychological fiction chart if I keep doing that will I and now I'm having fun even if nobody else is so uh where are we now I, I've I've got mixed up on my screens I'm all over the place where am I oh yes that's right it's a general news so, oh, oh, one more thing to tell you um two years after I got 118 pre-orders on that um which is the most pre-orders I've ever had on my own now if you remember with 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 Adam Power, um, we got was it four hundred and something pre-orders on Now You See Her. It was four hundred and something uh, with Adam's assistance. But this that's the most pre-orders I've ever done on my own, which is one hundred and eighteen on two years after. The depressing thing is it because you're pricing it at um, what is it you know ninety nine pence or cents. You think oh one hundred and eighteen, all oh, that sounds good. You know it's in the hundreds. You times that by what zero point three three thirty eight pound ninety four. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so good and it's so rubbish, isn't it? You know, in terms of income, but that's what 118 books make roughly at um, 99 cents. And this is what I said to you with the numbers, because I'm going for the algorithm, because I'm going for traffic. That's my strategy. The 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 money's much better, but, you know, not as high as I'd like it to be. Anyhow, that's enough of rapid release. I'll tell you what's going on next week. I'll bring you up to date. And of course, we will have that big review episode. I am holding a few things back because I want to save them for that review episode. But I'm just giving you uh, the run of it, really. 
in general news this week, then I just wanted to mention MailerLite to you. MailerLite have introduced dynamic ads, and I am actually on Sunday, I'm going to release a monthly email to my list. And this couldn't have come at a better time. Dynamic, um, dynamic uh, mails are fantastic. Um, this is why I made the switch to MailerLite. And this is why I say to, I like to go with software services that innovate. And this is a fantastic innovation. Basically, what it allows you to do is to send out one email to all your lists. And I'm an excellent example of this because I've got people on different lists for thrillers, sci-fi and non-fiction. And what it means, I can actually send a newsy email to all those people telling them what I'm up to. And then within the body of the email, I can have three sections that are only seen by people if they belong to a certain list. So when you're creating this content, you say, I only want people who read thrillers to look at this. I only want people who read sci-fi to look at this. I only want people who look at nonfiction to look at this. And when the people on individual lists open up the email, they'll only see the bits that are relevant to them. And that's just, I mean, that's just, it's brilliant. And, you know, MailerLite is cheap. Uh, you know, compare it to MailChimp and MailChimp, you know, it's become a Frankenstein's monster. Not only have they got their model mixed up, in my opinion, with their pricing. I think MailChimp is a Frankenstein's monster in that what it needs is to be redesigned from the ground upwards. If you use MailChimp, if you have any knowledge of it, because I still use it in my day job and I still use it for training uh, because it's what most corporate customers use, though I suspect that may be changing fairly soon. But um, they just keep cobbling bits onto the existing or the core MailChimp program. And it really does feel like a pig in a poke. It's a real Frankenstein's monster, whereas MailerLite has been built from the ground upwards. And so it's you know really fit for purpose. So if you haven't got an email service yet, or if you are on the fence and thinking about changing, I really would encourage you to take a look at MailerLite because that really is, particularly if you write in more than one genre, that really is very, very useful. It means I could write one email, send it to everybody, but have bespoke content depending on what their interests are. And that really is going to save me a lot of time. So I shall be putting that through its paces uh, when I write an email on Sunday and send it out to my entire email list. I wanted to mention a couple of podcasts to you this week. Uh, Claire Sager has released an episode of Confessions of a First-Time Author. Uh, that's coming out roughly monthly, but it was a, a really good uh, episode. I, I've said to you before that I, I enjoy uh, Claire's podcast, and I have particularly enjoyed her tips. I keep picking up this, this is why I love listening to podcasts. Just keep hearing stuff that I don't know and, uh, you know, books and, and recommendations and tools and, 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 you know, Claire consistently in her podcast is, is giving me information that I'm not aware of and that I'm going off and researching and thinking, Oh, I'll have a bit of that. Thank you. And I'll have a bit of that as well. So I'm learning a lot from that, that podcast. And, um, I won't um, steal Claire's thunder, but she gave, gave a great insight this week into bestseller tanks and how how you get them and how I think she was number one she got a bestseller tag it was number one but did it not have I can't remember what she said now it didn't have the little orange bit on it and she explains why that is she's got some really good intelligence from Amazon HQ which I've not heard before now I'm not going to steal her thunder because it's her podcast and I want you to listen to Claire's podcast um, but it's well worth listening to for that you, you'll learn something really interesting about bestseller tags in this month's podcast and also um, uh, you know Claire again has had some great uh, I interviewed Claire after when her, she, she launched her first book but she she gives a sort of summary of what she's been doing um to to promote uh, her book this month and, and she's got uh, two books in play at the moment I think that's right Claire and um it, she gives a really good breakdown of which services she's been using to promote she's doing the stuff that I should be doing which is looking at the numbers and gi giving you an indication of which email promotion channel how many clicks it sent to how many sales it sent to so there's some really really good data in there um it was an excellent episode thank you very much claire so um and, and also some tips in there too about 3d book covers and things uh which i found uh really useful so thank you very much claire uh great to listen to another episode and uh, i thoroughly recommend it to you um i just want to um diverge diverge digress that's the one i'm trying to say i want to digress a little bit um because I had a psychedelic experience based around Claire's podcast this week. Now, um, 
I, if I wake up early in the morning, I do. I, my mind gets racing and I, I tend to leap out of bed. And I, this is why I sometimes, or in the past, I've worked at ridiculous hours in the morning. But I found a really good antidote to that. And what I do is when I wake up in the middle of the night, rather than sitting there thinking and my mind whirring and getting active, what I do is I very quietly, I've got headphones and I've got my, my mobile phone by my bed. I just pop a headphone in one ear and I, I listen, I listen to a podcast and you know, the podcast, I, I go for non-abrasive podcasts. So I go for voice only podcasts and they send me back to sleep again. But the, the problem with this is, is that I'm listening to podcasts again. Oh, that's really interesting. And then, and then I fall asleep and then I, I wake up again. I'm drifting in and out. And then when I kind of properly awake in the morning, I'm thinking, Oh, blimey, I've got to listen to that podcast now because there was something really interesting in that that I was listening to when I fell asleep. Well, in Claire's podcast this week, I had a really psychedelic experience because I, I was <laughs> I was listening to the podcast in bed. It was you know about two or three o'clock in the morning, and, and one of the first things Claire says in this week's podcast is that she's had to change room for the recording because there's a there's one of the cats in the room, and, and she just apologises and says you know the, the cat might be meowing because it's begging for food, and and in my psychedelic experience, I, I must have drifted off as. as as Claire was saying this, because the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming and I got this big cat meowing in my ear. Uh, and then this cat suddenly transforms into a rabbit. So the next thing I know is I'm walking down a street in Lancaster, would you believe, which is where scenes in my book are based, um, being followed by a rabbit, which is meowing for food. And I'm just thinking, go and eat some grass, go over there and eat grass. And this is all to do with confessions of a first time author. Um, because I keep listening to podcasts in my, while I'm drifted off to sleep. So again, I, I drifted in and out while Claire's podcast was on. And when I listened back to it the next day, cause I'd like, I'd got all these little tidbits that I wanted to catch up with and, and make a note of. And when I was listening to it through the next day, I thought I can't even hear a cat meowing in, in this podcast. I just must have been dreaming that bit, but it was ever so loud in my dream. Anyhow, I, I, I digress, but I thought you might like to know that, Claire, that your, um, your podcast is now inspiring psychedelic dreams, uh, at night. <laughs> so, um, uh, by the way, it's no reflection on the podcast that I, I'm asleep because it's what I do is I, you know, if I wake up, I, I listen to podcasts and they keep me sort of drowsy rather than my, my mind firing off. I'm just listening to the podcast. I highly recommend it to you if you have a problem sleeping, but I always have to go back and listen to the podcast. I also listen to Alyssa Grosso's podcast at night uh, and then have to keep going back to listen to it again. And Alyssa this week uh, does a really interesting segment on marketing. Uh, which I really enjoyed, Alyssa. And thank you, by the way, for the shout out for my podcast. We've got all these podcasts shouting out each other at the moment. Uh, so thank you if you've shouted out my podcast and thank you for your support. But uh, Alyssa, Alyssa, Alyssa is a web ninja. So she makes her living from selling stuff online. And she has a, uh, an Amazon merch store, I think. You know, she sells T-shirts and printed matter. And she sells, uh, you know, physical goods online through, I've forgotten what it's called now, um, Amazon's ship, shipments. What's it called? A, I can't remember. Did something delivered by, I can't remember what it is. Um, shipped by Amazon or whatever it is. And, um, so I'm always very interested in that, but she brings her experience of, of having a successful income producing online business, um, you know, with marketing as an author. It's very interesting. Um, you know, a bit of, uh, just thought really, just thoughts about marketing. And I, I love hearing about, Alyssa, you've got to make a course, a teachable course on what you do for a living. I, I'd buy that. I'd be really interested in learning what you do because uh, I find it fascinating. Um, but, you know, Alyssa is what I would consider to be a web ninja because she's selling stuff already online. And I know you would be very modest about that, Alyssa, but you make your living from it. So that makes you a ninja as far as I can say, because it's hard to do that stuff day in, day out. Um, and, and her, her struggle in the podcast is to sort of make the same money with the books. And, um, and so I, I sort of find it really interesting to listen to, to the struggles with the books, knowing that Alyssa has managed to do this with physical products. But uh, it's all really interesting stuff. So that's another, um, uh, I've forgotten the name of the podcast, Alyssa. I've, I've listened to it loads of times. It's called Awkward Author Podcast. That's what it's called. So, um, that's Alyssa Grosso's podcast. So do have a listen to that. And then something else that I caught, and I can't remember for the life of me which podcast it was on, but I will put the web link on because I found the web link, even though I can't remember the podcast. But somebody mentioned a Kobo Writing Life article this week. And I really, I thought it was Joanna Penn, but I couldn't find it on her podcast. But it's a Kobo Writing Life blog post called Commonly Miscategorized Genres and Subgenres, Why These Mistakes Matter. And it, it basically talks about, you know, 
things like steampunk, space opera, woman's sleuths, hard-boiled, cosy mysteries. It's got all sorts of facts about those genre types. And, and a couple of those, of course, apply to me. And it, it deals with the misconceptions. So cosy mysteries to me is like, you know, Miss Marple, somebody who spends their life knitting and solving mysteries and has a cat by their side. You know, that's what I think of as a cosy mystery. But in actual fact, that isn't, that isn't the case that it dispels some of those genre myths. So if it was your podcast that you mentioned it on, apologies. Uh, but I was drifting in and out of sleep when I heard it, but I did get the link and I put it on this week's show notes for episode 176. But again, I highly recommend you check that article out. It's just a really interesting article from Kobo Writing Life about genres and, and things that people get mixed up when they're applying books to specific genres. Now, I'm sure there was one more podcast thing to mention this week. No, I don't think there is. Okay, so I will move on to uh, my Facebook ads. I'm spending a lot of money on Facebook ads at the moment. I'm so pleased. I'm going to touch wood again because they don't seem to have banned me. Whatever it was I did wrong last time, I seem to be all right this time. I've got loads of ads running on Facebook at the moment, and I'm so pleased. I mean, I, I have to tell you that I think Facebook ads are the most effective ads, much as I resent Facebook for taking me down and not giving me the right of appeal and not even telling me why they've taken me down. They still for my money, are the cheapest, most effective ads. They're sending a lot of traffic my way at a very cheap price. But this week, or last weekend, I finally got myself organised so that I could use my retargeting lists. And I just wanted to tell you what lists I've managed to build and how I'm using those. So currently, every book I've released in this rapid release programme, I have, I've sent adverts, I've split the audiences to US and UK so that I can send them to the appropriate Amazon pages directly. I haven't used genius links in my Facebook ads and, and I, my feeling is they'll probably get knocked back and, I, and I'm not daring enough to risk, you know, a link, a geo link, uh, on Facebook. I don't want anything that's going to get me into any kind of trouble. So I've just put amazon.co.uk and amazon.com links and I've split the audiences into US and UK. And some of the audiences are, depending on the book, some of them are targeted at men and women. Many of them are targeted at just women. I'm finding that really good. Women are, what is it about women on social media? All they do on social media is they either say something positive, which is like, bought this, can't wait to read it, or reading this, really enjoying it. Or what women do, what I found, what I've found in my personal experience, women do a lot is they, they may do an app mention to a mate who they think will be interested in the book. And, um, so, you, so I've just had nothing but like social media positivity from women uh, on, on my advert. So thank you, ladies. Um, whereas, you know, my experiences with men, I got some terrible stuff. When I was advertising our crypto podcast from men, it was like, oh, this is a load of old rubbish. This is a scam, you know, and it was just constant negativity, uh, always from men, never never from women. So, um, but I will say that um, although I have opened these uh, promos to men, some, some of these promos to men, I haven't had any negativity. So it might just be uh, the books. But, you know, women are exemplary at social media. They they really seem to sort of know how to behave and, and, and make it work for everybody, you know, in a, in a nice, uh, positive way. Um, but um, so those audiences have been based on sort of author um, author types, you know, so I've targeted authors who write like I write um, for those. So they've been based on interests, basically. And what I did this week is I, I took a close look at the audiences that I've been building um, of my own accord, so retargeting audiences, and I finally did something with those audiences. I've started to send adverts to those audiences now. So I just wanted to tell you what audiences I've managed to build. On MailerLite, I use my Thriller... Uh, my my email list to build a thriller reader audience and that when you put your your MailerLite list in you don't get a complete match because what happens is that um, Facebook sort of anonymously takes all the emails in the list that you've just imported it matches them anonymously I, I know I never know which ones it's matched but it matches them with people whose email addresses um, sync up to a Facebook account and that's who it puts in the retargeting list that's very simply how it does it so from my thriller list um, and I don't know how many people are on that list it must be maybe 3,000 I, I got a, a targetable Facebook list of 1,700 those are all 1,700 uh, thriller readers who know me personally because they're on my mailing list now I told you that when I was doing the Google adverts I was sending people to pages, web pages on my website, because that's what you have to do with Google. You can't send them directly to Amazon. 
and I was I was cooking them, I was tracking them through Facebook. And so again, you know, they're coming from Google. You're not going to be able to track every single one of those people because not all of them are going to have Facebook accounts. But from the Google ads that I paid for, this is what I'm really pleased for. From the Google ads that I paid for, that's allowed me to build a targeted thriller audience of 1,100 people on Facebook. So I, I'm bundling all these custom audiences in together and they've, they've made a nice big audience of, you know, all those people have responded to one of my ads or they're on my email marketing list or they visited one of my websites and it's built me a lovely, you know, bespoke list that I can now target. And of course, from that, I can build a lookalike audience on Facebook too. So 1,700 from my mailer list, 1,100 from those Google ads that I ran. So although they gave me very poor results in terms of purchases, they have built me a an audience that uh, I've now been able to find on Facebook and I will be able to build a lookalike audience from that too. So, so that money wasn't all wasted. When I was promoting Now You See Her, um, I used web forms. I, I did a web form promo. Um, so that because the problem with now you see her is that you know either Adam and I need to kind of pitch our money in together to promote that book because obviously we, we share we need to share the costs we need to share the profits I don't want to send traffic to that book on my own because effectively I, you know I, I'm paying all the ad costs and I'm only taking half the money back so that has given me a bit of a marketing dilemma uh, because of that before we released that book I built a list I wanted to keep the leads basically and um, so I promoted the book but I used Facebook leads. Uh, and basically the promo was, you know, I'll, I will notify you the minute this book's released, you know, read it first kind of thing. And I, I've got a, a custom audience from those leads and uh, Facebook tells me it's below a thousand. So it's a small audience, but I have also incorporated, um, it is a targetable audience at least from those lead adverts on Facebook for now you see her. I have also had uh, forever, I've had audiences. I've had Facebook pixels on all my websites. So I also took the audience off paulteague.net and paulteague.co.uk. So those are my non-science fiction writing websites. And that's given me a targetable Facebook audience of 2,100. And then I had another audience. I can't quite remember what it is, um, but another targetable audience of 1,200. I can't remember where that, that one comes from, but it's another thriller audience. So basically I've built an audience from all of those you know, effect, effectively retargeted audiences. And now I'm experimenting. I've never done split test adverts on Facebook. I've never really seen the point because in many respects, they're so cheap. Um, I just kind of set up separate adverts and those are my split tests. Um, so I, I, um, because I'm trained, I train this stuff, you know, I do corporate training. I thought, well, I'll, I'll try some split tests and, and, and use it for my own kind of learning and business intelligence as much as anything. But I'm now running split tests on my bespoke lists on Facebook, um, uh, testing two, um, different books and, uh, uh, you know, as, as a split test. So, uh, those are running at the moment and I'll get the results shortly and, and decide whether split tests are worth it. But uh, I'm really happy that I've got those targetable audiences. And the next thing I'll do when I get a minute to sit down and do this is I will start to create lookalike audiences on Facebook based on that data. So, you know, in summary, that's really worth having. All those audiences are really worth having. And this is kind of ninja marketing stuff. And I, I always talk about it, but sometimes I'm so busy doing the writing and the editing, I don't really get time to put it into practice. I have now put this into practice and I'll, I'll kind of let you know how I get on with it. But it does feel good to have gathered all that that data and now to be able to use it in a way that can make me book sales and that can allow me to build custom, um, what do they call them? Custom orders, look, custom lookalike audiences uh, that are just people who love reading thrillers. Okay, so I also decided this week to spend even more money on promotion. Now, I think, was it, it might have been listening to Claire Sager's podcast that made me think of this, in that Claire was mentioning promo sites like Fussy Librarian. I'm sure you mentioned Robin Reads and you mentioned another one. It's a partner. It's a partner for Book Adrenaline. I can't remember what it's called, but it was a science fiction fantasy promo site that Claire had promoted on. And it just made me think, well, I, you know, I've been sticking to the same four every week. And it just made me think, well, actually, there's no reason why I shouldn't be promoting these my books, it doesn't have to be promoted on release week. I can promote them any old time. So I booked in a, a couple of extra promos. 
I can't even remember what book I'm promoting, probably So Many Lies. Um, but I've got a 5th of November promo on Robin Reads and I've got a 30th of October promo on Book Adrenaline. And the reason I was a little bit reticent is that um, I wasn't sure whether they'd take me um, with either low reviews or no reviews on brand new books. And they did, which is great. Well, what I'm tending to do, I just pass on this little tip to you. If I'm, if I'm submitting books that don't have any reviews. So, um, often many times I've submitted books for email promotion that haven't even been released yet. So of course they've got no reviews on them. The way I'm uh, mitigating those circumstances is that I'm, if there's a little note section, I'm saying, I'm putting a note in saying, these books don't have any reviews yet because they've only just been released or they haven't been released yet. But for an indication of the level of reviews that I get on my books, please see this book, this book and this book. So I'm sending them to Don't Tell Meg. I'm sending them to Dead of Night and I'm sending them to Now You See Her. So they can see that my books are you know, reviewed four stars and above. It gives them an idea of the quality of the books. And I'm finding that very effective. Nobody's knocked me back yet doing that. Um, You know, just saying, look, here's, here's a you know, example of my work, uh, I, my book, my work's well reviewed and they've been letting me through. So I will be doing more of that as my budget allows. I will be, um, I will be making sure that, that I use, um, you know, try, I know, I think I've been knocked back a few times from Fussy Librarian, but I'll try Fussy Librarian, Robin Reed's Book Adrenaline. I'm going to start a rolling program of re-promoting books that have already been promoted. I just want to keep sending traffic at this while, while we're, we're doing our best, you know, to get caught by Amazon's algorithm. So I will continue to do that um, as and when I can find some time. Um, oh, and I've almost forgotten my science fiction. I know I couldn't find it on my diary, but I know that... Oh, it's on Monday. Yeah, there we go. It is. Uh, the Grid 1 can be submitted to BookBub again on Monday the 28th. So that's been rejected. It's had a BookBub before. It's been rejected two or three times since I submitted it first time, but I can resubmit it on Monday. So the minute Monday strikes, I shall be resubmitting that book for a BookBub. Um, but I was looking at Kobo the other day and thinking, um, th this is my problem. I've got so many books out and I'm so spread that I should also be promoting my sci-fi books, of course, because they're assets that can make money. So I submitted the Grid 1 and the Secret Bunker 1 to one of Kobo's promos. And um, because obviously they're the first in the series, and if I sell or if I get rid of lots of editions of uh, book one for free, I make money on books two and three. And, and, you know, this is I'm not very good at juggling all these balls at once, unfortunately, but my eye's been off the ball with the sci-fi. So I submitted the grid one and the secret bunker to Kobo promos. The grid one got accepted. I'm just waiting to see if the secret bunker gets accepted. It won't give me much traffic, but it will create a little flurry of sales on books two and three. So it's worth doing it. I should have mentioned this earlier. Um, I wanted to let you know that um, as I've been drifting in and out of sleep, I spend a lot of time drifting in and out of sleep, as you can tell, because I usually wake up about two or three in the morning and then I'm in and out of sleep until it's time to get up then which is why these podcasts are so good for me, because they keep me tethered to my bed rather than getting up early at a ridiculous time. But I've got to tell you again, this um, Six Figure Authors podcast is excellent. It's absolutely excellent. I'm so pleased that Lindsay Barroca and her pals have have done this. Um, it's, it's the podcast that we all need. And I love it because although they're Six Figure Authors, um, they're really honest about their struggles and they don't take it for granted that they're six figure authors and they're talking about how, you know, the things that they used to do to be six figure authors aren't working anymore. And it's, it's really, really good. Um, I can't recommend it to you highly enough. Even if like me, you're miles away from being a six figure author, the marketing stuff, the tips in there, absolutely brilliant. I'm so pleased they kind of, um, jettisoned the what was it science fiction and fantasy podcast which had elements of this in but they've just jettisoned the science fiction and fantasy they're just going all out for that six figure element and it's so practical it's such a good podcast please 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 you know give it a listen uh, in spite of the length of the episodes but I'm I'm drifting in and out of sleep and I'm thinking oh I, I, I've got all of them everyone they've released there must be eight or nine there now um I, I've I haven't listened to one all the way through I keep drifting in and out and I have to keep re-downloading them 
because there's so much in them. I need to go back and listen and take all the, all the, the hints and the tips from them. But I'm drifting in and out thinking, that's good. Oh, I like that. And then I'm drifting off asleep and then I'm waking up in the morning. And, and, and while I've been asleep, it's been just running through them. But I've been asleep and I've been waking up and then going to sleep again and hearing a, a little nugget and then drifting off. And I've got to sit down and listen to these blasted things and extract all the information at some point because they're so good. So, you know, please, please listen to that podcast. You know, I've recommended uh, three podcasts to you this week uh please you know give give them the time of day if you can because you'll get a lot of good stuff from them um you know i I mean you'll know this if you listen to this podcast i have these like brainstorms don't i you know uh, it's crazy um and i've had a brainstorm with uh i've had a brainstorm for ages with something in the don't tell meg trilogy i had um I just couldn't work it out. And the penny just dropped this week. And I think, you know, Homer Simpson doll. Why didn't I, why didn't I figure that out? The paperback with the murder place. There's been a problem with it for ages. And I just couldn't figure it out. And it just, I just got it this week. And I don't know why it's taken me so long. But basically, when the murder place got a new cover, you know, the rubbishy Paul made covers that I had on, the, the Kindle version was attached to the old cover for the paperback. And I couldn't work out why that was. And I just thought, oh, maybe at first I just thought, oh, maybe, um, you know, Amazon have got old copies in stock with the old cover on. And maybe they just leave the old cover until they've sold the old ones. And then they put the new cover on it. And, and I left it and forgot it for a while, as, as I do. And and then I just came back. It's been like that for ages. And I came back to the other day and it was something that I'd learned. It was um, this is as a result of this rapid release, because I'd found out that you can... It, no, it happened actually. I tell you where it happened. It happened. You know when you had to move your books from Create Space over to to the Kindle dashboard, the KDP dashboard. It happened there, and I got caught in this situation where I got the new cover on with Kindle. That was right, but the paperback attached to it was wrong. It had the wrong cover on. And at first, I say I, I thought it was because it was just maybe Amazon selling the old books with the old cover, and then it was stuck there, and I couldn't work out how to get rid of it and then I say I finally worked out what it was and it was because of something that I learned from this rapid release which is that you could go into Amazon Author Central and you could ask Amazon to to disconnect books from your Author Central profile and and so what I've done this week is is I created the proper paperback with the proper cover on I unlinked the wrong paperback from my Kindle book in the KDP dashboard I've asked Amazon to release it from my Amazon author profile. So it doesn't bring that wrong book in. Um, so they will release it. They haven't done it yet, but they, they will do it. It takes a bit longer when you do that, but they will release it from my Amazon UK, Amazon author central profile and my Amazon US author central profile. That will get rid of the old version of the book with the old cover on and it will no longer be linked to the Kindle version. And I've created a new paperback with the right content in it and the right cover which I've now linked to the correct version of the Kindle book so if you go on Amazon now you'll see the Kindle with the correct paperback and then on my profile you'll also see like a straggly paperback which it has the I think it has I can't remember it might have had the right cover on it's really bizarre it has the, I think it has the right cover on when you see it on my author page but when you click on it to the product listing it has the wrong cover on it so all I'm waiting for now is for Amazon to release that paperback that old paperback version to disconnect it from my Amazon author profile and then everything will be right now and it's a bit complicated that I know but um it just, I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out but anyhow you know it's like a relay baton and and you know the the next relay person had been handed the wrong baton basically they were running with the wrong baton I had to release the baton from that hand and put it in that hand and then put the right baton in that hand if you kind of get what I'm talking about so it just took getting my head around but I've got I've got it now anyway and um and and when they release the book from my profile everything will be hunky-dory the, the other thing I've got to do I haven't had time to do this I'm hoping to do it in the next couple of weeks um you know as things sort of cool off a bit in terms of my production rates with the rapid release I need to catch up with the paperback versions of all these rapid release books I think I did one or two at the beginning but they haven't got paperbacks it doesn't particularly bother me I don't make much money from paperbacks but I do intend to come up the rear and make sure that every 
new rapid release book has its paperback version. They've all been produced in vellum. I just haven't had time to process them. Mainly, the thing that takes the time is messing around with the covers. Um, so it's a, I haven't had time to mess around with the covers, but I hope to catch up with that fairly soon so that every thriller book then has the correct updated uh, paperback file you know, connected to it. And they're all linked beautifully in Amazon Author Central so that my author profile, when you go on Amazon, everything is absolutely up to date. Everything is absolutely correct and everything has a fantastic cover on. That's the aspiration. And I think we'll, I think we'll pretty well sort of be there by the time I catch up and release, by the time I get to the end of, I say the end of rapid release, the frenetic period of rapid release, which is the 11th of um, November, I should have all those paperbacks there at that point. And from that point where we're on 28 day release, um, cycles and I've got a lot more breathing space then I've got a lot more thinking time after then I did just want to ask who's going to self-publishing formula live in London in March I know a couple of people have have mentioned it to me on Twitter or in emails but are you going to SPF live in London I just wondered who uh, who listens to this podcast is going to SPF live you know who who'll be there to say hello to and um, just drop me a note on social media or via email I'd just be interested to know really it's just nosiness just wondered how many of the podcast listeners are going to be there it'd be nice to say hello at some point and also if you're going on or staying on for the London book fair uh, afterwards just to let you know what my plans are I plan to be there for SPF live I'm hoping to be able to go to the drinks on the Monday evening and I'm planning on being around London book fair on the Tuesday and Wednesday I'll certainly be there for the Tuesday I may have to curtail the Wednesday but at the moment the train everything's the hotel everything's booked to be there on the Monday Tuesday Wednesday of that week so I just wonder what your plans were let me know um, you know if you fancy saying hello while we're down there in London okay let's move on to this week's mentions I think we're going to be about an hour this week I'm ready for a cup of tea um, let's look at this week's mentions. Um, Darren Hassel, uh, sent me an email this week and it was, we had an interesting conversation actually, because you'll have heard me say, I think, what do I say? I say wriggle room. I usually say oh, I need a bit of wriggle room. And, um, Darren was just, um, sending a very nice note, um, saying that he's an avid listener of the podcast, really enjoys it, gets a lot of value from it. Also said thank you for recommending Jerry Evanoff's podcast as well. Um, you know, because it's great to listen to people in a similar boat, which is why I recommend Jerry and I recommend Claire and I recommend, uh, you know, Alyssa, uh, because we're all in the same boat. We're all trying to get things going. And I think you can get sort of hopefully get value from me, but I know you can get value from everybody else who does those podcasts. So, you know, thank you very much for that, Darren. And it's always great to hear from people that haven't introduced themselves before. So thank you for that. That's one more listener that we've got. But um, Darren raised a really good point. And the minute I read it, I agreed with him. He said, you say wriggle room. And I always thought it was wiggle room. And it's got a bit of a debate going in Darren's family. And the minute I read it, I thought, yeah, it is. It's, it's wiggle room. It's not wriggle room. It's wiggle room. Um, but, you know, it's just just because I know that my book is called, uh, I can't remember what it's called, Truth. What's it called, my book? Shout it out, please. Truth. What's it called? What am I like? I cannot, <laughs> cannot remember what my books are called. <laughs> Truth. Truth without, isn't it? Is it called Truth without? Sure it is. Ah, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? I just cannot remember. Yeah, truth be told, it's called, isn't it? No, truth without. It's called truth without. <laughs> See, look, Darren, I, I, there's no way am I ever going to get that right. I know it's wiggle room, but I'm going to keep saying wriggle room. All right. So when I when you hear me say wriggle room, I know in my head it's wiggle room. All right. I did before you wrote to me, but I'm going to keep saying wriggle room. I'm going to keep perpetuating my own mistruths. Okay. And it's the same with my book titles. And you know, I'm so confused. I can't even get it right. Okay. But so my intention is to get it right, but I bet I keep getting it wrong. But <laughs> thank you much. Thank you very much for uh, writing to me. It was because Darren said, Darren's off to um, SBS Live. And I said, oh, come and say hello when you're there. That's what made me say, oh, you know, who's going? Uh, it'd be nice to know who's going there because I'm terrible. You know what I'm like, you know, I'll walk straight past you if you don't if you don't let me know you're going, if I don't look out for you. So, you know, let me know if you're going and then we can absolutely make sure that we say hello while we're there because you know what it's like. It gets busy and you get talking to people and all that stuff. So it'd be really nice to know who's going before. And uh, Darren, I look forward to meeting you when we're down there in London. Uh, Edwin Downward has sent me a, a lovely autumnal shot. It's a combination of sort of cityscape with autumn. Uh, several blocks of flats there, uh, an asphalt uh, car park, a single car parked in it, and then some beautiful reds and browns of autumn. This is in Canada. And Edwin's just put the comment, speaking of autumnal colours. So thank you very much for that, Edwin. I appreciate that. 
Dr. Joanna has sent me a very interesting tweet here. Dr. Joanna said, uh, Hiya, here's a sunrise autumnal picture from this weekend. I wasn't listening to the podcast at the time. I was too busy listening for bears along the hike. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, it's Appalachian, isn't it? This spot is along the Appalachian Trail in New York. Have I said that right? Probably. Appalachian. I'm sure it's Appalachian, isn't it? I'm sure that's how you say it. Um, you imagine, yeah, you imagine not being able to listen to podcasts because you're looking out for bears. And I said to Dr. Joanna, actually, the, the biggest concern that I have when I'm out walking is how long do I have to wait until I get ne- my next cup of tea? You imagine having to look out for bears while you're walking. Um, I also got now, I'm, please, will you all have nice, simple names? Um, Amelia, and I'm going to get your name wrong, Amelia. Um, it, it's, it looks like it's French. Is it La Villaine? La Villaine. La Villaine. It's spelt L-E-V-I-L-L-A-I-N. Amelia La Villaine? La Villain. La Villain? If it's French, I, I do apologise. It may be one of those. It may be none of those. But Amelia, you know who you are. Thank you very much. And Amelia's been a guest, but you, I think that's your married name now, isn't it? And you weren't using a married name at the time we spoke. It was a lot easier to pronounce. But So I'm sorry that I got that wrong. One of those may have been right. But Amelia says, I'm listening to the uh, Self-Publishing Journeys podcast with Paul Teague post-dental surgery. I'll spare you a selfie, but let's say that you'd think I went one round with Mike Tyson and lost. You have my sympathies, Amelia. I was at the dentist this week. Thank goodness only for a checkup, but I get jittery enough about a checkup. So you have all my sympathies for your post-dental surgery, and I hope that you've recovered. And I do apologise for mangling your name. Um, I, I haven't heard from Patrick Sheriff for a long time. Patrick is another a guest of the show and Patrick lives in Japan. And uh, Patrick was uh, worrying about, um, you know, heavy winds. And was, it, was it a tornado? Did they call it a tornado? It was certainly very sort of terrible weather out in Japan. And I'm pleased to say that Patrick reported he was well. I hope you sort of weathered the storm, Patrick, and that everybody's okay, and that no kind of structural damage was done. But it was a little bit, um, you know, a bit, bit, bit nerve-wracking out there, I think, for a while, wasn't it? I haven't heard from you for a while, but it was good to sort of see you and nice to know that everything's well out in Japan. And then also uh, we've got our regular tweet from Tim, who's given me a choice this week. Uh, choice one is a load of green bags packed with rubbish next to a bus stop. And choice two is a very pleasant, and I'll have this any day, please, uh, Tim, a very pleasant woodland walk in autumn. So more of the autumn woodland walks, please, because that's my that's my kind of thing. I do like autumn. And uh, interestingly, you must have it a bit milder down south, Tim, because it's looking a lot greener where you are than it is where I am. It's very, very autumnal where I am in Cumbria at the moment. Okay, look, thanks ever so much if you got in touch with the podcast. I really enjoy reading tweets and notes and letters and messages and things like that. Um, you know, and if you do want your message to be kept private, obviously I never give away private information. Uh, and I know give you a, you know, a general view of what the emails say, unless I've got specific permission from you. But if you did want something to be private, just, just let me know. Um, you know, I know obviously I'm happy to honor that, but thanks ever so much. If you've sent a little note or a tweet to me, I always enjoy reading those. That's it for me for this week. Another long podcast. I apologize for that. Next week. What am I doing next week? Uh, well, I'm not writing over the weekend, which is nice actually. Uh, I've got a mailer like email to do. I've got some planning to do. I've got to finish off my editing of Circle of Lies. We're going for some fun again next week. Really looking forward to this. We're going to Newcastle next week where I'm going to see orchestral maneuvers in the dark in concert. Haven't, uh, well, I've never seen them in concert. I couldn't afford to go when I was a sixth former and have regretted it ever since. So I'm making up for that now. I'm an old gipper and I'm going to see orchestral maneuvers in the dark in Newcastle next week. So I'm really looking forward to. And then, uh, we're staying overnight in Newcastle and I'm off to see Terminator at the cinema on the Thursday morning. I love the Terminator films and this one's getting great reviews. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then I will be writing. I'll be writing Friday, Saturday and Sunday of next week. So whatever you're up to in your indie author career. I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. Speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.